coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. What we've done with our food system back in uh, the 30s, 40s, 50s, we discovered um, fossil fuel fertilizers. I'm like, wow, we can grow food so much quicker. We just dump this, you know, fossil fuel based fertilizer that comes from natural gas that's getting a whole lot more expensive really quickly right now dump it into the into the soil and make everything grow a whole lot quicker mm. but not only you know, when it grows quicker it doesn't extract as much nutrition and when you grow things quickly again and again in the same soil it depletes and you know the the fertilizers accelerate the loss of topsoil and there's no diversity there's no micro um microbiome diversity in the soil so that the actual nutrient content of that food is is getting worse and worse and worse so we just band-aid it to make the label look better with a few you know bit of fortification but it really doesn't help that much hello and welcome to the get lean eat clean podcast i'm brian grin and i'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5 10 even 15 years ago each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interview the owner of Optimizing Nutrition, Marty Kendall. This was the second time I've had Marty on the podcast, and we discussed the importance of nutrient-dense foods, how minerals play a role in your health, along with what's the deal with seed oils, dangers of fat and carbs combined, the importance of preparing your own food, and what role coffee and alcohol will play in your health. I really enjoyed my interview with Marty. I hope you do too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. On for a second time, Marty Kendall. Welcome to the show. How you doing, Brian? Great to chat again. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a, a little over a year and a half. And uh, you must be doing some things right. You look younger. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I quit the day job in uh, in December. Just went. I'm a part time casual engineer now, and uh, diving oh, into nutrition it. stuff. So yeah, living living the dream, and just trying to walk the talk, and get out on the bike, and lift weights, and eat as well as I can in the real world. And uh, yeah, love and laugh. Yeah, well, you know, when you can focus a little bit more time on those things, right? You you start to yeah. look younger. Yeah, all, all the knowledge and theory is one thing, but actually applying one thing at a time, I learn is just, yeah, that's, that's where it's at. Yeah. One little tiny habit and integrate it into your life and then chip away at the next one. Yeah, for sure. And um, it's easy to talk about it, but implementation is uh, is the key. Um, yeah. So what have you been up to? I know we we touched, we talked a little bit on before we got on live, but um, you're with, obviously, optim optimizingnutrition.com. Yeah. Yep. Love your site as a resource. And I was looking through your blog and um, I know you mentioned regarding, well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, you know, sort of how you got into, into all this? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm an engineer by day. Um, happened to marry Monica who happens to be a type one diabetic. And all of a sudden we learned a lot about insulin and blood sugars and nutrition and, and, um, yeah, way back before that, I grew up in an SDA family, Seventh-day Adventist, and they're very wow. nutrition-focused and very uh, religiously nutrition-focused. So my family left the SDA church back when I was about you know, 10. But I think that gives me a really interesting, like the juxtaposition of being an engineer, trying to help my wife manage type 1 diabetes, knowing that so much of the nutrition advice is complete trash and doesn't work and is pretty much the worst thing you can do and then 
growing up in the the hub of belief-based nutrition i'm quite skeptical of nutrition on and as an engineer i love data i want to see data data is truth so um i just want to see more data to understand what the cheat codes of nutrition are that cut through the dogma and belief and conflicts of interest and financial motivation and that's just rife in our food system so yeah that's you know i quit the day job in uh in december because i just got so obsessed with this and figured i could uh give it a crack and do what i love and here i am chatting to you yeah that's great and uh i do agree i think you know just being in this in the health business and having a podcast about all about health and wellness i mean you can drive yourself crazy um, yeah. with all the different rhetorics that are out there regarding yeah. what to eat and when to eat. And um, it has me second guessing half the time what <laughs> I'm doing. <laughs> what do I do? When do I eat? What should yeah. I eat? I mean, perfect. It, and I think, you know, one of the things too is like, you can test yourself on like, you know, I did a hero mineral test. I've done, yeah. um, I, you know, just did a full panel, blood panel. And it's like, you could do genetic testing on certain yeah. things, you know, maybe. So I'm curious, like, I, I love your, your blog and, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that you talk about is really backed with science, per, you know, and, and backed on, you know, a big thing is satiety. Maybe yeah. explain a little bit about how you analyze satiety within different nutrients and foods. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just going back to your point there about, you know, there's so many things you can test yeah. and everybody's got a test and then a magic supplement that'll cure that ill that you didn't know you had before you listened <laughs> to a sponsored podcast. It's just crazy. Everybody wants to sell you, convince you you're sick and then fix you with their expensive one pill that'll yeah. cure your ills. But yeah, no, I think one of the biggest things in nutrition, it's what you eat and when you eat to some degree because if you're eating too often, uh, you're eating too much and, you know, what you eat and when you eat are definitely interrelated. But satiety is basically, you know, I've been on a quest to understand what are the foods that make us satisfied and happy? What what are the foods that our body needs that contain the nutrients we need that we need to thrive? So really, the more I dig into it, I see that it's all about our body just keeps on eating until it gets enough of the nutrition it needs, mm. particularly protein. But when you dig further, it's all the other minerals and vitamins that we need enough of. So if we don't get enough of those from our modern, you know, hyper-palatable, hyper-processed, um, ultra-processed crap diet, we just keep on eating. And I think that's a very simple way of understanding it. Um, and then with enough data, you can then understand what are the factors that are quantifiable in that, you know, particularly protein is the big one, but also we see significant responses to potassium and sodium and calcium and folate and all, and even fiber. It's hard to overeat a, a higher fiber diet. So as we, you know, we can use that information to cut through the dogma, to design a diet, to, to optimize foods, to rank foods and say, you know, is this better than this? And what should I try next? Yeah. And it's interesting. I was just pulling up some of your articles, the one regarding minerals. Yeah. I, I think that's something, I think it's something that gets overlooked sometimes. And I actually just did a hair mineral test um, and, and through uh, upgraded formulas. Yeah. And 
uh, I actually had someone interpret that chart because it was actually yeah. fairly confusing to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And he was really good. He was actually on my podcast, Matt Terry. Mm. And I've done it. I did it once. And then I retested about like five months later. And mm. it's interesting what came back. I mean, yes, yeah. I was definitely a bit dehydrated in the sense that sodium, potassium, yeah. magnesium, um, were like the main ones that stuck out to me for, for yeah. that I was deficient in. I'm sh I'm sure that's yeah. probably common. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, potassium is a massive one. Um, calcium, magnesium, but it's really the ones that we can't put into a pill or add to our food system as fortification. We've got all these B vitamins that we add to everything, and iron and folate that we add to our food system, but. It's really hard to supplement with potassium and and uh, sodium even, and, and like the amount of power that you have to ingest is, is massive. So you really need to find a way to get those minerals from your diet. Otherwise, similar to protein. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the protein leverage hypothesis with professors Rubenhammer and Simpson. Basically, they said that they noted that in every organism, we basically eat until we get enough protein. But you, you see a similar nutrient leverage effect that, within every mineral and vitamin to some extent, we keep on eating until we get enough of those minerals particularly. So, yeah, it's really critical to make sure you've got enough um, sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium in your diet. Yeah, and are there certain, you know, like obviously there's a big low-carb craze with, yeah. with keto, and now you talk a little bit about on your on your blog. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm sort of implementing actually more carbs into my yep. diet. Um uh, I've been pretty low carb and fasting for quite a while. And, yep. and I, I, I find that, th that adding in, um, you know, good nutritious carbs, like whole mm. food carbs, not, I mean, you know, I'm not going out and having pizza every night, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm a big fan of like self-experimentation, finding out yeah. what works and, and, uh, what, what are your thoughts around, around, you know, carbohydrates and how maybe sometimes if you do low, go low carb for, for quite a while that you could be, um, uh, deficient in certain minerals and, 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 uh, things like potassium and, and yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody's lower in potassium on a processed food diet, but unless you're getting a lot of green non-starch veggies on your version of keto, then, um, you're not going to be getting a lot of those minerals. And then as your insulin drops, as your blood sugar drops on a keto diet, you tend to, uh, you know, release some of those minerals from your kidney as well because the insulin helps your kidney hold on to the minerals so you'll you'll sort of lose those minerals so that's why a lot of people feel a lot better when they supplement electrolyte minerals um but yeah i mean pure fat uh, that that was back five years ago we we're all chasing elevated ketones and testing mm -hmm. ketones and our expensive three dollar strip meters and uh <laughs> trying to get our ketones ketones higher thinking that if we ate more fat elevated ketones would magically lose weight but right. i mean really pure fat you know we need some omega-3 and a little bit of omega-6 but it's not that much and and that pure fat doesn't contain amino acids and as many vitamins and minerals so you really need a, a balanced diet at a micronutrient level in terms of carbohydrate um i don't know you're pretty active so if you're out golfing all the time and really moving a lot then your blood sugars are going to be dropping um, you know, after workout, your body wants that glucose to replenish that activity. Your muscles need to refill with glycogen. So you'll sort of crave 
that higher carb food. And if you don't, we find some people in our data-driven fasting challenges when they go back to adding a little bit of carbohydrate when their blood sugar is low, they they go, yeah, I'm I'm satisfied, I'm satiated because my blood sugar bumped back up into the normal range, and I'm not craving anymore. I'm not eating as much, particularly at night when blood sugars on a low carb diet tend to drop a little bit lower. So yeah, it's interesting. You don't want to overdo carbs, and like you say, you don't want to overdo the the pizza and those sorts of <laughs> donut handfuls of, of nuts or whatever, which are really ca- carbs and fat together. But you know, a little bit of carbs when your blood sugar is low to replenish the glycogen after you've actually done some activity is not going to be a bad thing for most people. Yeah, and it's interesting looking at the charts with the with your nutrients like calcium and phosphorus and the inverse relationship between that and obesity. Yeah, you know, like how there's been this decline in use of let's just say calcium and and uh, like you mentioned, potassium is a big one, and mm-hmm. how obesity's gone on the right. I, rise and uh that's probably a combination of just the industrialized and let me try saying this the industrialized food system right of Mm, like totally just you know the more something's processed you're taking out the nutrients right yeah and what we've done with our food system back in the, the 30s 40s 50s we discovered um fossil fuel fertilizers and went wow we can grow food so much quicker we just dump this you know fossil fuel based fertilizer that comes from natural gas that's getting a whole lot more expensive really quickly right now dump it into the into the soil and make everything grow a whole lot quicker Mm. but not only when it grows quicker it doesn't extract as much nutrition and when you grow things quickly again and again in the same soil it depletes and you know the the fertilizers accelerate the loss of topsoil and there's no diversity there's no micro um microbiome diversity in the soil so that the actual nutrient content of that food is is getting worse and worse and worse so we just band-aid it to make the label look better with a few you know bit of fortification but it really doesn't help that much yeah yeah that's another topic that probably doesn't get discussed as much as just the soil quality yeah so even if you're massive right and so it's like even if you're buying what you're thinking are foods that are maybe higher in, in nutrient density and have these maybe, um, you know, the, the sodium and the potassium that you would mm. necessarily want, they might not even have that percentage because of, because of the, the bad soil. Yeah. You really want to seek out the, the foods that taste amazing because they've got the nutrients that, you know, that are actually extracted from the soil. And those foods are often grown in a, you know, regenerative environment where the animals and plants are sort of more combined together that actually, builds back the, the the life and and the, and the microbiome of the soil because the plants and animals are together rather than you know our modern food system has just separated the com- completely and both have become liabilities because we're trying to do it so quickly to feed so many people but how long is that going to last with mm. um you know the resources we've got yeah and uh t- turning subjects a little bit about you have an interesting blog about uh, factors that influence satiety regarding carbs, fat, fiber, alcohol, sugar, yeah. caffeine. I'm like, oh, these are all things probably people are interested in. <laughs> so, um, you touch on here, do carbs make you fat? <clears throat> I'm curious your opinion of that. I know there's a lot of differing opinions regarding that. Yeah. Um, short answer is, is no, as long as right. they're within the 
overall energy balance. But what happens when we overdo carbs, we overfill our glucose fuel tank, we get blood sugar goes up, blood sugar falls down below what we're used to. And at that point, we tend to have more intense cravings and make poorer food choices. So it's not really that the insulin is making us fat from that one carb meal. It's more that, hey, you get hungrier when your blood sugar crashes. So people who are insulin resistant, um, we in our challenges, we guide them if their blood sugar rises more than 30 milligrams per deciliter, 1.6 millimole after eating to dial back the carbohydrate just to get a more stable energy level. But swinging to the other extreme isn't great either. If you go all carbs are bad, even protein spikes insulin, so I'm just going to drink fat. Fat is not satiating as well. And you can see in that post that basically the more, the higher percentage of fat in your diet, the, the more you're going to eat. Um, it's pretty straight relationship where whereas with with carbohydrate the the greatest intake is between like 40 50 percent non-fiber carbs and that's really the rest is is fat and then that's the donuts and pizza and cookies that we all love to eat but once you get down to you know 10 to 20 percent non-fiber carbs that seems to be optimal point where people tend to eat less okay and uh what are your thoughts around vegetable oils? I just did a little bit of a, <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like the arrow starting to point towards, towards these over consuming vegetable oils, these seed oils, um, and these high amounts of omega six, you know, linoleic acid as, yeah. as it could be like the main target with regarding obesity. Um, yeah. you know, cause it's like the potato necessarily might not be bad, but once it's, fried in oil in these oils then it that that's when it really can cause some inflammation and and um uh be sort of the culprit regarding you know obesity yeah i suppose the potato chip the the baked potato is that magic combination of carbs and fat that drive dopamine at a really high level you get a dopamine response from eating carbs you get a dopamine response from eating fat and they fill your your carb fuel tank and your fat fuel tank at the same time your body goes i love this food just keep it coming it'll help us to survive winter so i think that's the regarding the potato chip yeah yeah so all those hyper palatable ultra processed foods are this magic combination of fat and carbs together so if you're going to avoid anything it's that you know part carb part fat food that is a big deal but it, there's a lot of people that talk about the the dangers of seed oils and poofers, polyunsaturated, unsaturated fatty acids, and they've definitely gone from about three percent of our food system to about eight percent. But they're not a big contributor at the same time, mm. the way that monounsaturated fatty acids are. And if you look at um, fat overall and monounsaturated fat over the last hundred years, it's just gone up and up and up and up and up as we've gone. Hey, we can take our industrialized food system take our seeds and um all these different canola and rapeseed and and etc 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 um and create oils from them that we can sell and put into our foods and they're really 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 cheap and they're even subsidized so i think that's the bigger driver is just that food manufacturers have found them these monounsaturated um seed oils are just incredibly cheap to put into ingredients and they've just kept on as as we've realized that um you know people didn't want their high fructose corn syrup they said okay we can replace that energy 
with seed oils with flavorings and colors and et cetera, et cetera, and just create really cheap foods that we love to eat. Yeah. It's amazing if you start looking at labels when you go to the store and like you're just, I mean, palm oil and soybean oil and sunflower and rapeseed and, you know, cottonseed. It's like, you know, it's probably in like 90% of packaged goods, I would imagine. Even the ones that yeah. you think are even healthy. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, like if you look at the label of an Oreo cookie, it's, it's basically palm seed oil, a bunch of refined starch, refined grains, sugar, and flavors and colors, and not much else. But that's the basic formula for everything in the center aisles of the supermarket. So if you've got a food with a label that contains those three ingredients, it's basically designed to make you overeat them. Yeah. What what type of good fats should people maybe look for um, when they're either cooking or um, or eating, as opposed to these you know these um, these seed oils? Yeah, interesting question. Definitely omega three from um, fatty fish is something that most people don't get enough of. Yeah. Interestingly, our satiety analysis has indicated that cholesterol. You know, as much as we've feared and demonized cholesterol. When we eat foods that naturally contain more cholesterol, we tend to eat less. So it's just crazy that going back to the SDA dogma and the whole food system dogma, they said you should fear saturated fat and cholesterol, and that eliminates most animal-based foods instantly. Mm. So therefore, buy our refined, ultra-processed agricultural products, thanks to the you know, uh, you know U.S. Department of agriculture who's promoting the products of agriculture so um <laughs> yeah so it's just wow but i don't think you need to go out of your way if you want to lose weight to prioritize saturated fat or monounsaturated fat or, or any particular fat it's just you know if you're trying to lose weight then dial back the total fat intake and if you're trying to gain weight and you know, run around your golf course and be really active then you know a little bit of extra energy from fat will do a great job of feeling that yeah i mean if you look at the list of foods that contain like um, you know the most cholesterol like you got egg yolk liver yeah caviar totally. shrimp oyster they're all great foods you, not, yeah. you shouldn't avoid them because they contain cholesterol right right um what what about well omega threes you mentioned so, I mean caviar actually is on top on the list. They're looking at twenty three percent cholesterol. Rich, yeah, no yeah. omega three rich. Yeah, yeah. Sardines, I like sardines. Oyster, salmon, mussels, yeah. tuna, shrimp. Yeah, they're all the foods that we're not getting enough of, and we're not getting enough omega three. And the omega three to omega six ratio is crazily imbalanced. So um, yeah, we're not absorbing our omega-3 that's so important for our brain because it is drowning in omega-6 seed oils from right. all those refined ultra-processed products. I also just did a, a, a little micro podcast on, on tips for eating out. What type of tips would you give someone that's eating out? Because you, you, I would imagine that restaurants cooking in these seed oils. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I'm just curious, like what, what, what steps would you tell someone if they're eating out what to do? Yeah, I suppose choose foods where you can see you know, there's a steak and there's veggies and you can see <laughs> the, the food that it's not this massive processed glop but it's fascinating when we go out 
Um, you know, I've got two type one diabetics in the family now. My son got type one in, in December. Um, and you can see the added everything on the continuous glucose monitor instantly. And it's just like, this is just stuff is full of sugar and the, 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 the vegetable oils. So yeah, it's really hard to, it's much harder to eat well if you're not cooking at home and learning yeah. to cook at home. So go out, enjoy yourself. A few meals out won't kill you, but if most of your foods are out and you're trusting other people who are making food for a price to give you your food, you're um, entrusting them with a lot and it's probably going to be filled with cheap, refined products that aren't going to be great for you. Yeah, I, I think that's like, top of that should be top of mind is is preparing your own food mm. um i can understand you know people who have you know obviously kids and they're busy and they're working and and it can be difficult sometimes when you're trying to get that meal and towards the end of the day and you're mm. trying to feed like five others <laughs> mm. um i always say if the best thing to do is just to try to make something like big like on sunday yeah. right yeah, do a big batch cook and pre-prepare, and then you're, you're you're limiting all that decision fatigue through the week. What am I going to eat? Well, I've got a salad that I made five of on the weekend, and I can just you know when I'm in the office, you can take the the salad and throw some canned tuna or whatever you like on it, and then you get a, a great meal or leftovers, and yeah, cook up big yeah. at home. Yeah, that's a good point. I think when you're like decision fatigue, when it's towards the end of the day, and and you have limited options. I think that's when mm. bad things can happen. <laughs> totally, totally. And like, and like you said, like I have an instant pot, and don't use it as much during the summer. We tend to grill and 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 do things like that that are outside. But like the instant pot for the winter, I mean, you can make a lot of food, <laughs> and yeah. it can last a long time. I, I've actually I've been looking into an air fryer. Uh, yeah, they're great. Have, do you have one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. We use it for the kangaroo patties and just about everything the oven's broken at the moment so we use the air fryer all the time it's a great way to so how does it work how does that how does it just how how does it cook it it just forces (laughs) magic over it um and the the it's on a grill sort of thing so the fat falls through it so it Mm -hmm. comes out a whole you don't have to add a whole lot of extra fat okay which is good if you're trying to if your goal is is weight loss I mean, you can probably make almost anything on that air fryer, right? Mm. Yeah, they're great. They're great. We we use it a heck of a lot. At least the wife uses it a heck of a lot. She's the amazing cook. I do the numbers with the food. Oh, she's the cook. Okay. <laughs> no, nah, she's amazing. <laughs> Very lucky. Well, let's talk about two vices that a lot of people have. Yeah. Alcohol. Yep. And caffeine. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I was, was pleased to see that caffeine, Um, you know, when people, a lot of people, in our challenges go on oh, my blood sugar went up is is the after my morning coffee is that a gonna spike insulin and make me fat etc cetera, etc cetera. so but it was interesting to see in in that analysis with um about twenty thousand days of, of data from the optimizers that people had a higher caffeine intake per calorie tended to eat fewer calories so you know it's not like caffeine's making you hungrier obviously if you're having caffeine all through the night and your sleep is trashed and you wake up the right. next day and you're having the coffee and the bagel to pick you up. That's not going to be great. But, you know, you know caffeine is, is largely not a bad thing and there's other beneficial things in coffee. Um, so, yeah, don't 
necessarily fear the caffeine and enjoy your caffeine. Um, alcohol is, yeah, that, that was interesting analysis. Basically, when we're um, inebriated, we're disinhibited and tend to to eat more. Um, we, we're often with friends and we're celebrating and we just tend to make poorer food choices. So I don't think alcohol as a fuel is, is a bad thing other than it's basically pure empty calories. But we just tend to be more lax with our diet and tend to overeat. So yeah, the analysis showed that as the alcohol increases, we just you know tend to eat more. And yeah, yeah, and uh, that that seems to make sense. <laughs> I mean, so do would you say if someone has a glass of wine, like you know, you, you're talking about getting inebriated, but what about someone that just has a little bit every night? Did you find any re- with your research anything yeah. regarding that? Ah, uh, I mean, a little bit of wine is probably not going to be a, a, a biggie. And it interestingly, drops blood sugars when my wife enjoys wine. I actually don't tolerate alcohol very well and feel a bit trash the next day. But well, um, yeah, I'm like when, the same when, way. When, when, when the wife has some wine, you actually see her blood sugar drop because the system holds back all the stored energy, including the glucose, to allow that alcohol to be burnt off first. So you mm-hmm. just gotta understand that it's it's empty calories. It's a recreational right. thing. It's not going to provide you with nutrition and it may make you a little less disciplined with the rest of your diet. And your habits may not stick as well at that point. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah, my wine my, my my wine. My wife likes to drink wine. Um almost every night and i'm like i just i don't do well with alcohol i don't know yeah yeah me me too she seems to handle it fine but um yeah i i enjoy the taste occasionally but right. the next day i'm always like my brain is not quite as sharp and it's like i'm just, I'm just thinking really clearly <laughs> can bring that back so mm-hmm. for me that's valuable so i try not to indulge too often yeah no i hear you um i know you touch up uh, quite a bit on protein um yeah. and it's I don't know if it's a highly debated thing. I think in some circles it is. I I've had quite a bit of protein individuals on here, like Dr. Don Lehman, who's stu- yeah, has been studying that was it. Good, good interview. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. Um, and he talked about the importance of amino acids and and mm. in particular leucine. Um, and I'm just curious your take on protein intake and amino acids. Yeah. I mean, I really liked his comment that rather than seeing. You know, protein, we need mm-hmm. to see it as the individual amino acids, and they definitely all have a different role, and you need enough of each, and different foods have a different amino acid profile, and that's where the animal-based foods and the whey protein tend to have a better outcome, that they tend to be more complete protein source, so you're going to get all the amino acids you need in that protein. But, but largely, if you're getting enough absolute protein you're going to be okay so if you're getting you know 30 percent of your diet from protein 30 percent of your calories from protein you don't really need to worry too much about the minutia but um right when it comes to protein as a macronutrient it's definitely the most satiating factor in your diet to increase your protein percentage um that's not necessarily more protein in grams that might you need to might need to prioritize protein but it's more a matter of thinking about let's dial back the carbs let's dial back the fat and prioritize protein make sure i'm getting enough protein and that increases the protein percentage it's not about eating more butter or more bacon or more donuts to get your protein because there's very little protein in that you just have to 
progressively change your protein sources to just bump up your protein percentage slowly, but not too quickly. If you go too quickly, your body says, hey, I needed some energy. Give me some energy. And this protein is really hard to convert to energy. So I'm going to have some mega carb cravings after a few days of 50% protein. So it's like, work out where you are now. Are you taking 20% protein? Let's go for 25 Once you're happy with that and can sustain that for a week, let's get a 30% if you're trying to lose weight. And people just go, hey, I'm, this is great. I'm not hungry. I'm not thinking of food all the time. I don't have to think about restricting I'm actually satisfied, I'm satiated, and I'm not having the same same cravings at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. You you talk about it a little bit on your blog and you show a picture of a piece of salmon and and a and a donut. And they each had the same amount of calories, right? So they should just do the same thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, they're totally different in your body and they have totally different satiety responses, different protein, different mineral, different vitamin content. And just because the donut might have a few fortified extra synthetic supplements thrown in that to make the label look better doesn't mean it actually gives you the same effect especially all the other nutrients that we don't quantify that are probably beneficial in whole food yeah i i think that's why like there's a camp of the calories in calories out i just think it that's too much of a simplified view of it what are your take on what's your take on that oh great question um yeah, I mean, I'm an engineer, so I believe in energy balance. I believe in the laws of physics. Um, you know, energy balance is a thing. If you eat more energy than you need, um, you'll, you'll get bigger. If you manage to restrict, um, if, if you're in a concentration camp and don't have access to food, you will lose weight. Um, but just simply counting calories and setting a limit, saying I'm going to, you know, I went online and got the target from a calorie counter a a macro calculator and i'm just going to try and sit under that limit it it just drives you mad eventually if you don't change what you eat if you don't manage the macros and what you eat what you're really trying to do is dial back the carbs and fat while getting enough protein so if you want to use the glucose in your blood that's building up and you're getting type 2 diabetes if you want to get rid of the muffin top around your belly, but just extra fat. You need to dial back the carbohydrates in your diet and the fat in your diet as well while still getting protein and nutrients. Otherwise, your cravings will drive you mad. And when it, when push comes to shove, your instincts, your lizard brain always, always win out. So our brain's a really metabolically hungry organ and wants a whole lot of energy. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, you, you, you show some great diagrams and and just show like, you know, if you're doing 10% protein of your total, uh, calories, you know, bumping that up to 40, 50% right there can make a huge difference. Cause you got to sort of take it from something. And if you just dial back the fat a little bit, maybe dial back the carbs, um, mm. you know, that can make a profound impact. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, yeah. And most people are down at the 15% protein, 15% is the average protein percentage, which also aligns with the maximum calorie intake. But if you just go from, like I said, where are you now? Let's bump it up just a little bit. If you make great progress, if you're losing it between half and 1% per week, tick, don't change anything. But if you stall out and need to dial it in a little bit more, let's dial it up to 20% for this week. And that's what we do in the Macros Masterclass. And it just helps people to, to lose weight at a sustainable rate that doesn't drive them crazy from a lack of energy that is unsustainable. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Um, 
Well, besides protein, what are the, what other sort of are the, I guess the low hanging fruits that people can dive into as far as, you know, losing weight, maybe having more energy. Um, like what, what I know we talked a little bit about the micronutrients. Um, what mm -hmm. are some of the, the, the things that sort of come to your top of mind when it comes to, um, you know, losing fat and maybe just having more energy? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely get enough protein from whole foods and that'll come with a ton of other beneficial nutrients. Um, non-starchy veggies are also great. They're really impossible to overeat and they're really filling and give you all the, the vitamins and minerals that are, are hard to overeat. The, the seafood is fantastic. Um, yeah. And, and it can be helpful to track that in chronometer for a little while and go, what, how much protein am I getting? Am I hitting my minimum nutrient target and how can I you know what foods can I prioritize emphasize to get more of those um, another thing we've been using is data-driven fasting which isn't really fasting it's just sort of designed it to I saw a lot of people overdoing the extended fasting believing that fasting for longer is better but when they get to the end they end up really ravenously hungry and mm. if they're just saying you know i'm eating keto keep, keep my insulin down they're, they're overdoing the fats at that point so not only have they missed out on the protein while they're fasting they're overfilling their fat stores and not getting nutrients when they refeed so this can tend to lead to loss of lean muscle mass and disordered eating eventually so after a couple of years of watching mainstream fasting figured that you could use basically a, a simple glucometer to measure your glucose before you eat to understand what you need to eat and whether you, maybe you should just wait so it's a really powerful indicator of do i need protein because my blood sugar is a bit high i've got plenty of glucose on board so i don't need to eat carbs or is my blood sugar low maybe i can a little bit of carbs wouldn't be a bad thing to bump my blood sugar back up. If my blood sugar is way above normal for me, I can just wait a bit longer and uh, wait for it to come back down to use that internal stored energy until I actually need to eat. So it's a really nice way of guiding people to dial in when they eat in the day to align with their circadian rhythm and their workouts and their, their family meals and the like to, to optimize the eating routine. Interesting. And, and I, you talk a little bit about chronometer. It's actually something I, I never was one to track and, uh, I've been, tra I've been tracking and it's, it's, it takes a little while to get used to it and like uh, get into the habit of doing it. Cause you're, I, I just never, it's not so I never track calories and, yep. but, um, I think that it's, it's, it's a nice exercise to do for anybody, even if it's just yeah. for a few weeks, you know, just to see what, what, where you're at, what you're getting. Cause I, I found that I was under eating for the most part protein mm. and probably even calories in general. I know calories yeah. are sort of, uh, you need energy to run around the golf course. Bro. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't run around the golf course, but, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm always doing something. So I'm yeah. pretty active. So, yeah. um, I felt like I was probably, you know, un under eating and also under eating protein. So I've been, I've been trying to up it and see how that makes me feel. And and that's an, another point I always bring up is just sort of that self-experimentation. Yeah. Um, you know, there's people like I'm going to interview someone tomorrow who's carnivore and it's been working yep. for him, but yep. you know, there's other people who run better on carbs, um, yeah. on a higher carb, uh, you know, whole food diet than, 
than maybe someone like the individual I'm interviewing tomorrow. So I think there has to, there has to be a little self-experimentation also taking, you know, getting blood panel work done and, you know, mm. um, you know, sort of tracking things just to see where you're at. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, blood panels are interesting just because once potassium and sodium and your nutrients in your blood are low, you're really in trouble. Um, Cause if your kidney can't retain the sodium and potassium and calcium in your bloodstream, your kidney's broken, basically. It's not a sign that you have a lower your intake is too low necessarily, but mm. it's a sign that you've got kidney issues. So a better way to do it, like you're saying, is to tracking the chronometer and say, am I giving my body what it needs to do what it needs to do? And if you're giving it a little bit too much, then it's really not too much, uh, you know, too much micronutrients from whole foods it's not really a thing right if if you get too much your body will just flush it out and say thanks for that i didn't need it but you really need enough of all those micronutrients to make sure you can do everything your body wants to do everything it needs to do in the short term and the long term which is really important i think a lot of people are just getting enough to survive and they feel okay but the body doesn't have enough micronutrients to prioritize the long-term repair mechanisms that are critical for long-term survival but yeah the the do we need carnivore or plant-based it's all fascinating and you know, different people seem to thrive and that's been fascinating for me to say yeah. what are the common elements and for the carnivores that's great because they're getting heaps of bioavailable protein so it works like magic but then you got paul saladino now adding mm -hmm. honey and whatever Fruit. else because he needs that glucose to be really active and fuel his activity and yeah so right. fascinating to watch the belief-based dogma in the in the nutrition scene and go what, what's common to all of these people what, what do they actually need from their diet why is it working for them right yeah i i i tend to like try not to to be dogmatic on like my podcast and try to just bring guests and let other people make their own decisions. Um, yeah. And I don't think, and like, even like with Paul Saldino, you know, I give him credit because, you know, came out with a book and, you know, full on mm. carnivore and realized that, you know, who's giving, having, I think, poor thyroid um, mm. and, um, you know, maybe adrenal uh, um, fatigue, but whatever it was, um, you know, adding back the fruit and the and honey, I believe he added back uh, really, really mm. has helped him, you know, thrive. So. Yeah, yeah, and everybody's on their own journey, and it's interesting to experiment. Yeah. Um, well, this was great, Marty. What? Um, any lasting tips? I, I know you're at optimizingnutrition.com, and I get your emails, so I know you have like <laughs> <laughs> you get uh, you have a great blog, so definitely check that Thanks, out. Man. What do you have going on as far as um, I know you have the data driven fasting, and you have some micros and macros classes. Yeah, where can people learn about yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, data-driven fasting challenge, just using your glucose to guide when you eat, and that's been fantastically popular. People just love the simplicity of just checking their blood sugar before they eat to validate their hunger. And yeah, then we've got the macros and micros class. It, dialing in your macros sounds simple, but it's actually quite complex for a lot of people. So just to guide people to track what they currently eat and just nudge that in the direction that they need to go mm. for a few weeks. And like, as you said, tracking sucks forever, but occasionally doing it for a month, learning about your diet, adding new foods that work for you can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And then you can live in the free world without it because you understand what actually works for your body. And then 
with the Micros Masterclass, which takes that to the next level to help people dial in all their micronutrients and assess what the current intake is and what foods and meals will help them fill in their priority nutrient gaps, which is that the people that dive into that love it. And it's completely fascinating. So I think hopefully that's the next frontier of nutrition. That's the common element that works for everybody. Everybody who's thriving is getting all the nutrients they need from their food and everybody who's not thriving is, is probably under eating nutrients and having to overeat food to get um, those nutrients that they need. Yeah. And it's, and, and just on, on the micros, like sodium, something like that, it's really, like you mentioned, tough to overdo it. Your, your body's yeah. just going to excrete it. Yeah. And if you try to have it by the tablespoonful, you'll be off in the toilet and uh, getting rid of it really quickly mm-hmm. along with all the other food that you ate. So, right. Right. Yeah, you, your body automatically regulates how much you retain and how much tastes good and uh, hopefully once you get rid of all the processed hyper palatable colored and flavored foods you can go okay i actually have a craving for that right now and because that's what your body needs and that was probably how it all worked before we had this industrialized food system yeah excellent well marty thanks for coming a second time around (laughs) glad to see that glad to see that uh you've gotten younger over the years (laughs) cheers dude and uh, probably from your, you know quitting your day job and uh, <laughs> just focusing on some things that you love to do here, right? Yeah, cheers. Yeah, no, pleasure to talk to you, Brian. And definitely check out his micro masterclass. That that's something yeah. that I think would be worth everyone's time. So, yeah. um, well, great, glad we could connect. And um, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Cheers. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.